welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm your host, Steve Kramer. Coach, thank you for joining us today. If you're new here, be sure to check out some of our other episodes as well. A positive rating and review goes a really long way with affecting the algorithm. But on this episode, we're taking a deep dive into the pros and cons of running a ball screen. In this episode, it's not necessarily this is how you go about executing a ball screen. In many ways, it's, it's bigger than that. Because the question is, what I, well, the goal of this is to get the wheels turning in your mind as a coach of if you should be implementing more or less ball screens within your offense. And I'm going to give you the, the questions to ask. All right, let's get to the show. Ball screens, ball screens, ball screens, whether you run them or your opponents run them, they're becoming more and more common within the game of basketball. We had John Spruance talking about pack line defense on a previous podcast, and he shared that over 70% of Division I college games last year or it was the year before involved a ball screen. They are so common. And so in this episode, I really want to dive into some of the pros and the cons of using a ball screen. So if you're a coach, you can think about, should I be using the ball screen a little bit more? Maybe I should start using the ball screen a little bit less, or do you have some of the personnel to be a good fit to run the ball screen? So I wanted to share with you five pros to running a ball screen or some type of ball screen offense. Number one, the ball is usually in your best decision maker's hands while still allowing for movement within the offense because you're incorporating a ball screen instead of isolation. You know, most high school teams, which is who I'm talking to, I'm talking to you coach, who's you're a high school basketball coach. We generally don't have a ton of players on our team who are all great ball handling decision makers. They may be good decision makers, but it just may not be handling the basketball off the dribble. We need both when it comes to effectively executing solid ball screens. So the ball screen allows us to put the basketball in our best decision makers hands to run the show. But at the same time, it can easily be morphed into more of an equal opportunity offense, a ball screen offense that can still provide great structure and flow within the game. And so that's a big positive that I see of incorporating ball screens within the offense. You can go one side and really, okay, this is the player. We're going to run a lot of our offense through ball screens using him or her, or everybody's going to run it, allowing for a lot of flow, a lot of reading the defense while still giving it some structure. Number two, guarding multiple ball screens in a possession forces the defense to make mistakes. No matter how good the defense is, there always is a split second of indecision within every single ball screen. So guarding multiple ball screens forces the defense to make some mistakes. Number three, the consistency of consistently going over ball screen reads helps give your players the answers to the test before the test comes. If the ball screen is consistently a part of your offense and you're taking a deep dive in your practices to give them a better understanding of the on-ball defender, the screener's defender, the gap defender, the help side defender, you're giving them the answers before that test in the next game. That consistency 
that compound effect over time can lead to great decision-making within your team. Number four, multiple threats and ball handlers get everyone involved. Other teams are going to have more trouble preparing for the ball screen offense when they're playing you because of the different strengths of the players that you have within your team. So again, if you're running in a ball screen offense and you have a ball handler who's great at attacking and you have another ball handler who's great at pulling it, well, now they really have to prepare to play your team with different ball screen coverages based on the personnel that you have. So yeah, you're both running a ball screen, but because the strengths and weaknesses are different of the ball handler, different type of preparation. Same thing for the screeners. Or you have players that are great at rolling to the basket, slipping to the hoop and finishing at the rim. You have other players setting the screen that are great at popping out, shooting it. Maybe they can pop catch and then they can attack it again off the dribble. So again, even though it's a ball screen offense, the ability to have different players' strengths utilized within that structure is a great tool. And then number five, it becomes easier to attack switches and mismatches by using the ball screen. And I don't necessarily meaning getting a switch and then you isolate up top or you get a switch and you open it and throw it into the post. It could be as simple as we got a, a small on a big. And so now that opens up offensive rebounding opportunities when someone else takes a shot or because we, we've, we've slipped to the rim and there's a switch now the help side defense on the weak side really has to come over. And so now we can swing, swing, and we get a three on the opposite side. Those are great ways for us to be able to utilize the mismatches, the switches that ball screens can create. So I'm going to get into the negatives, but I want to go over the pros real quick. Number one, the ball screen makes it easy to put the basketball in the decision maker's hands while still allowing the offense to be an equal opportunity offense. You can use the ball screen for both. It's kind of like a Swiss army knife that way. So that, that's great, the variability that you can use with the ball screen. Number two, guarding multiple ball screens is difficult. It's easy to force the defense to make mistakes. Number three, there's consistency that we can teach with our players when we're constantly going over the ball screen reads that they need to understand. Number four, when we have multiple threats with the ball screen. When I say multiple threats, player can drive it, player can shoot it, screener can slip and post, screener can pop and shoot it, pop and attack. Having multiple threats within the ball screen is very effective. And then number five, it's easier to attack a switch or a mismatch. And it doesn't have to even come down to isolating where that can show some of its benefits. But I wanna talk about some of the negatives of the ball screen, right? And I think this is just as important. And the biggest negative of running the ball screen, for me at least, is when I'm watching basketball, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. And if everybody's doing it, doesn't it make it easier to scout? And I'm, I'm open to your opinion, like hit, hit me up and, and respond. Like we're, I'm totally cool with that. But I was talking with a high school basketball coach not that long ago, and they had some nice guards on the team. 
they had some solid, solid bigs. And I said, coach, you don't run any ball screens. He's like, no. I said, why not? He's like, cause everybody else in our league runs it. We're just going to be easier to scout if we run the ball screen, like everybody else. And so by us not doing any ball screens, it's going to be so much harder for them to prepare for us for our conference games. Same thing with, you know, coach playing a one through one defense. Coach, why you why you run a one through one defense? Like, give me the, the main reason. It's like, because nobody else around this area runs a one three one. I just thought that was so wise in the simple concept. It was wise and so simple at the same time. We're going to do something simply because other people aren't doing it. It makes it harder for them to prepare to play us, which means even if that one three one isn't the best one three one in the world, because it's not something that they're used to seeing and preparing for. And out of 20 games in the season, there's only twice that they play us. That's the only time they're going to play that one, three, one play against that one, three, one. It's going to be difficult. Same thing with all the actions that they were running that didn't include a ball screen. So I think that's the biggest negative in my opinion of using a ball screen. It seems like everybody's using now let's get a little more specific with some of the other negatives of the ball screen and these final three, go hand in hand, but it has so much to do with reading the game. You need a great ball handler and decision maker, at least one. And the players must learn how to set up the screen. And I say that because one of the biggest mistakes I see when I'm watching players is not the ability to come off the screen and make the read, it's that they're not setting up the ball screen that's going to give them success once they do come off. it. You know, we talked about players who are maybe a, a smaller frame, a lighter body, trying to create separation, get space away from that defensive player as they bring them down and then move it off the ball screen. We talk about players that have a little more of an imposing body, wider shoulders, wider hips, a little heavier frame and being able to, bump their defender using contact to get them down to their spot and then being able to come off the ball screen. But players need to be able to effectively use the ball screen and they're not going to be able to do that unless they set the ball screen up correctly first. Number three, you need screeners that can read the defense and that are unselfish. And I mean this in a couple ways. One, you need a screener who's going to sacrifice their body. They're going to be physical. They're going to understand that a lot of times they're going to set the screen. They're not necessarily going to get the ball. Even if it's a screen, it's a roll action going down to the rim. And sometimes we see it on, you know, games on TV live. They think they're open, but there's a, there's a help side defender sitting right behind them coming from the opposite corner. But because they've done that, they're opening a shot opportunity up for somebody else. So it's, it's much bigger than that screener simply, you know, catching the basketball and then making the next right pass. But understanding in their head that if I sprint hard to the screen, if I set a solid physical screen, if I pop hard or roll hard to the basket, or even, you know, I'm in the pocket for a, a short roll, I'm helping my team even if I don't get the basketball. 
unselfish screeners are the best screeners. And then the fourth one is you need players off the ball who know how to space and read the ball screen. They can't be getting in the ball handler's way. They can't be getting in the roller's way. They need to understand when to stay, when to drift, when to, when to lift, when that they can get into a fade or, or an off-ball screen exchange so that they can occupy the player handling the basketball, the screen. They want to occupy those defenders on the weak side. Having an understanding of using the ball screen as a team is something that most teams struggle with. You know, most players, okay, we're going to run, run ball screen. So who are, you know, we think of it as a two-player game. It's not. It's not just the player with the ball and the player setting the screen. It's so much bigger than that for teams that are successful, right? Those other five players on the court are just as important. So what I'm asking you as a coach to think about is, are you using the ball screen because everybody else is using it? Do you have the personnel on your team to be effective using the ball screen? Do you have a specific player and that's the one that you want to have ball, run ball screens through, but maybe it's not the other players. Maybe their, their best fit with the team is to play off the ball, space, cut, be able to catch and shoot, make those quick decisions, but not necessarily setting up the screen, using their ball handling abilities to initiate the ball screen within the offense. We need to think about all of these, all of these different things. And then as we go back to the pros, you need to think about, do these pros outweigh some of those cons that I just mentioned? There's other equal opportunity offenses that you can use that don't incorporate the ball screen. So if you have an equal opportunity offense with a team that's not great at handling the rock, that's probably the right decision. If you want an equal opportunity offense where, where they like to like to play, but you need a incorporate some of your, your screeners and your bigs in the offense, maybe that's the right offense, offense for you, okay? So this isn't a for or against, but it certainly is trying to get you to think about using the ball screen in the right way that's going to fit you and your team. So this was our quick tip episode this Monday, and I simply hope that it can get the wheels turning because I see so many coaches and programs using the ball screen. And I don't necessarily know if it's the best fit for their program. And if they're simply doing it because they feel like a lot of other programs are doing it. And if that's the case, I would recommend you to be different. What is a way that you can be effective in your league, in your area, in your region that differs from what the majority of other programs are doing. And if you can find that area, hone in on that area, that difficult situation of a coach played a game on Tuesday and now they're prepping for you on Friday, or maybe it's only one game in between and they have to prepare for something that's completely different than they've been seeing the rest of the season, that's an advantage for you. Think about it. Thanks for listening to this episode.
Coach. Thanks for listening to this episode. We had a handful of you reach out to me last week, and that was really cool for me because I know people are listening. I see the numbers, but to get an email, a Twitter message from you lets me know that you're actually thinking about the, the tips and the information and, and the guests that we have on our podcast. That means a lot to me. And if you're new to the Coach's Edge, thanks for checking us out. Be sure to subscribe. If it helps you out, leave a rating and a review. That goes a really long way. And if you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to a couple of our previous episodes. We had an episode on shot selection with Coach Anthony Troshak of Brown City High School. That was amazing. We had a podcast with former national champion, WBCA National Coach of the Year, Brian Morehouse on a couple weeks ago about building a championship culture. Things that he's doing at Hope College with the women's basketball team are amazing. Make sure you go back and check out a handful of those episodes. I think they can really help you out. And if you're interested to hear more about what we have going on at the Coach's Edge, we just finished our beta trial. We're getting ready to go live next month in October of 2020 so we can help a handful of coaches continue to take their program to the next level. Can't wait to share that with you. And if you have questions about what we're offering, which is athletic development, our skill development program, which is is much more of a program development strategy of your first graders all the way up through your 12th graders. And what does that progression look like of building skilled basketball players from the youth level, the junior high level, all the way up to the high school and varsity level. I know that we have some things that are going to help you out with the team and the information that we've put together. You have questions about that? Be sure to let me know. Thanks again for listening. Whatever you do today, make sure you get after it.